all my friends, they always invite me for barbecue parties. And sometimes everybody pay me like, get relaxed, get some drink, like relax, don't cook anymore. But I continue cooking because I love it. Or sometimes I just don't trust somebody to, to do these steaks. But say steaks is number one for me, like one of the best. And if somebody burn or overcook the steak, my heart is broken. Welcome to The Profitable Table, fed by Woolco Foods, the nation's first podcast devoted to the business and lifestyle of the hospitality industry. Now, here's your host, Woolco Foods CEO, Stephen Toberoff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Profitable Table, fed by Woolco Foods. I am your host, Stephen Toberoff. And today I'm very excited for my guest because it's it's sort of like a follow-up, but it really isn't. About, I'm going to say a year and four months ago, I had the pleasure of interviewing the owner of Veselka, Jason Burchard. And for those of you who don't live in New York, uh, Veselka is one of the most iconic and popular restaurants in New York City and has been for well over four decades. But today I'm going to have the opportunity to really go in deep with their executive chef, Dima Martseniuk, and really understand what it is about the cuisine and, and all of the choices that are made on that side that make Veselka such a great spot. So Dima, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting My pleasure. So Dima, before we get into it, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you got into cooking in your journey? Okay, I'll tell you with pleasure. I spent at Vasalka 12 years already. It's almost 12 years. I began my journey actually in U.S. because I'm originally from Ukraine. And I graduated from international economics relations, like completely different direction. I got a master's degree. But uh, then I came to U.S. for a few months just to practice my English. And I found temporary like summer job in the kitchen. It was summer camp. Amazing. And after that, I fall in love with cooking. So prior to coming to New York and Veselka, you really had not been involved in the culinary arts. It was something totally different. What was it about working at Veselka? Do you remember the exact moment or do you remember what was going on at, at what point where you said, you know what, this is something I really love. This isn't just a summer job. This is something I want to make a career out of. Yeah, after three months of summer job, I continued my visa and I decided to stay in New York. And first part I stepped in was Veselka because some friends who used to live in New York like many years ago, they told me go to Ukrainian village, East Village, and they have a few restaurants there. And and my number one stop was Vaselka. I was lucky I met uh, owner. It's Jason's father, Tom. It wasn't any available position in the kitchen. I don't know why, but uh, Mr. Tom, he told me, yes, you you hired. Come tomorrow with your knife. So, so how long at working at Veselka did you realize that you did not want to pursue finance anymore and you wanted to stay in the culinary arts? Uh, how long? Yeah, in other words, you started out, if I understand you correctly, when you came to New York, you were really coming here to pursue something totally different, or, you, or at least your studies were in something different, right, which was finance. Yeah, I, I used to work on the, in Kiev on, the, on the three years in the bank, on the bank industry. I came here just to practice English and spend my summer here just for like new experience in my life. 
but I, I catch or maybe kitchen catch me and I fall in love and I start cooking and I start enjoying. Let me ask you this question because I've I've known Jason and Tom for a long time and they're very special people in Veselkas. How much of your love do you think came from just spending more time in the kitchen and learning about cooking and trying different things? And how much was it do you think that you just had a great home that you started in and being more around that business led you to develop the passion and to want to stay there? Yeah, I think I'm lucky that I, because Vaselka, Tom and Jason became a family. And I feel over here like very, I mean, it's my family. We were very friendly. They helped me to open all my kitchen love. And they helped me with culinary school. Like because of these great people, uh, they finish at me like professional chef. Amazing. Well, that's a testimonial to them and the brilliance of their ownership skills, which is so obvious in many ways, but it's also a testament to you to being so open-minded and being willing to pivot and pursue your passion. So now you're working at Veselka. You've started working there. As you began working there and you'd been there for a while, were there any types of dishes that you enjoyed cooking more than others? Was there an aspect of, of the whole chef thing that really attracted you initially? Was it the creative part? Was it managing people? What were some of the things that you really enjoyed? Uh, overall, I'm enjoying everything because it's Ukrainian and I'm Ukrainian. Main position at Vasalka is borscht, potato pancake, pierogies. It's very Ukrainian, very like common food in our country. And I keep enjoying what my mom and my grandmom did. Now I can control all the process. I can involve any new recipes. It's Ukrainian, but you can create something new every day. That's why I love position to be chef. When you're chef, you could be art people. No question about it. So let me ask you a question about that, because obviously you're at a restaurant that not only has a very long tradition of serving the community in New York, but you're also a chef at a restaurant that has a really established cuisine. How do you go about adding to the menu, changing the menu? What are some of the things that you're thinking about as you do that? Because obviously you've got the traditional items, which are so amazing, the pierogies, the borscht, etc. But you add new stuff. How do you go about determining what to add and, and what changes to make and what new things to try? Usually I do if I got new idea, I, I, I taste it by myself. I trust myself. If I like it, then I just represent or show to Jason or Tom. And we have like small meeting because we have tasting. I explain why, what is a new dish. And after tasting, we decided to try an special menu. It's very easy because we have a special menu and I can put it there almost everything what I like to try. And That's then awesome. in a few weeks, I have feedbacks from customers and also I have sales number. And sometimes it's very surprising. You you can put it like more Asian, more, more Spanish, more French, more German or more American dish. And surprisingly, it could be successful. That's really cool. And that makes a lot of sense because your established menu is so successful and so understood but the fact that it gives you the opportunity on the special menu to be creative. I don't know if you have insight into this, but 
when you try the new stuff on the special menus, do you find that a lot of times it's the regulars that are willing to try something new? Or do you think it's just people who are coming into Veselka the first time that see something on the special menu and they want to try it? Because I know you must have so many loyal regulars after being there for so many decades. Yeah, for so many decades, even me personally, I know a lot of a lot of regulars, and I can like go to the restaurant and speak to them and ask like feedback by myself. They honestly gonna tell me it's good or it's bad or any feedbacks. It also helped me. But I mean, we we have policy like we collecting feedbacks from customers. Yeah, and also I can check sales. Just give me an idea. What were some of the specials that have been the most successful over the past, let's say, two years that you've put on? Something you've tried that has been extremely well received? Uh, let's say lobster pierogi. It never happened before. We put it lobster pierogi in the menu. Add some grilled corn, and it became bestseller for let's say last summer. It beat uh, potato and short ribs. It became number one pierogies for three months. It's amazing because so basically what you're doing there, which is so smart, is you're taking an established dish, something that everyone comes to Veselka for and knows and Veselka is famous for, which is your pierogies, and you put a new twist on it. So it's almost like you get to leverage the established dish, but add something new, create something different for your loyal customers, but also maybe create something, like you said, that's seasonal and that maybe would attract other people who might not want the traditional pierogi, but they like lobster, right? Yeah. So, as you've been working, do you find that you have an opportunity to mentor other people as well? As you've grown in Veselka, have you found that you're devoting more of your time to mentoring other people that are coming up as chefs and inspiring them? Or how has that worked out for you in terms of the responsibilities of managing and training other people? Actually, I'm enjoying when I teach uh, like new cooks in my kitchen. I'm happy when I share my knowledges and my experience. And also, I've been doing before COVID, we did a pierogi masterclass. We have like 12 spots and we advertised months before event and tickets were sold out for first few days. We did maybe 15, 20 masterclasses and always like very nice people, very educated. People came to, to learn how to make pierogies. And it depends which holiday, let's say. Last one was before COVID. It was Valentine's Day Pierogi Masterclass. We did like one regular, it was meat and potato. And we did special one, it's cherry, because of Valentine's. And we promote the cherry pierogi Valentine's Masterclass. It was very successful. And I'm happy to, to teach people. I like to see when people enjoying what they're doing. That's very cool. Yeah, it's very cool. And let me ask you this. One of the trends that's really taken off over the past year, it's sort of a two-part question, has been people doing more in takeout. Have you find that you guys have been doing more for takeout and delivery than you were in the past? Of course. 2020 was like a very hard year. And thanks God we was closed only for one month and one week. It was April. We reopened on May 1st. And if compared to previous years, takeout business like jumped to 70% of sales. Before it was 5 7% before COVID, but when COVID started, main sales was 60 70% only from takeout. 
So that brings me to my next question, which is, as the chef, did you find that you had to do anything different to accommodate takeout versus dining in? And are some of those lessons, if if there was anything you did differently, something that you're going to be able to continue to use going forward? Yeah, we spent some time with our team. We tried to create some, not new dishes, like the different combos and which one is easy to put it in a container and send it to customer and it still look good. We spent some time, but not different from before. We spent some time, we have some ideas, but like not much. So let me ask you this question. Do you think that there have been people that got exposed to the cuisine through the takeout that are now getting the opportunity to hopefully come out and dine outside or inside and enjoy it? Do you think it served as an opportunity to bring in new fans to the restaurant? Or do you think it was just the regulars just getting takeout because they wanted the cuisine and they, that's what they were used to? Uh, I think it's both. It's hard to say. Now, with your day as the chef, what would you say you spend the most of your time focusing on, either the cuisine or training the staff? How do you break up the day? Because I know it's an extremely busy restaurant. There's a lot going on. What I really want to get out of this conversation is how you manage that from the back of the house kitchen perspective. H- how does that work in terms of allocating your time? W- where do you feel you have to prioritize? Because of uh, Vasalka is a very like, good family, not only for me, for everybody else also. Uh, a lot of cooks and prep cooks have been working at Vasalka for 5, 10, 15 years. And Vasalka, I would like to say it's like big machine, a lot of process, a lot of lines working automatically. Everybody's so professional and everybody knows what to do. And also for the last six, seven years when I became a chef, I helped to organize and make it easy for everybody like working process. And let's say right now, it's easy to manage because I didn't need to spend a lot of time. So you have a lot of what goes on organized in such a way where everybody knows what their responsibilities are and there's not a lot of time wasting. Yeah, I did before. I spent a lot of time. Hard, it was hard. Uh, like I put everything in the right place. I finished all system that was created before. I improved some system, some process. And now everybody working, everybody knows what to do. And I have a lot of people who can cover each other, even myself. I have a few sous chefs who can create, who can cover me anytime. With this great team, it's easy easy to work. It is. It is a great team. Now, one of the things that Jason had mentioned when I spoke to him in the past, and it makes perfect sense, is even at that time, you guys were shipping pierogies around the country because people from places outside of New York were interested is that something that also really took off over the past year? And have you expanded that to other items beyond pierogies? Yeah, we continue continue doing that. And during the COVID, sometimes what it was like 50% of weekly sales. We call, I mean, this company name is Gold Belly. We ship our, I think we have like 10 items on the menu. It's mostly soups, pierogies, maybe something else. And we ship all over the U.S. I'm surprised people from Alaska, California, Texas, from anywhere, they order in chicken soup, matzo ball soup, borscht, pierogies, and we keep doing that. So let me ask you this. Do you have anything that you're planning for a special 
What are your thoughts? You've been the chef at Veselka for a long time. You've been in the kitchen there for a long time. Where do you see the trend going for the next year or two? What do you think are going to be some of the big trends that you're going to take advantage of in Veselka or just with cuisine in general? I, f- I follow you on social media. You have a great social media page. It's Chef Dima Martseniak. It's a great social media page, Instagram. So my question is, where do you see some of the trends going over the next year, just in food in general and how they'll be incorporated into Veselka? I keep looking for all news, all updates, what's popular, what's not popular, what's on trend and not trend. Usually it's seasonal. I would say that, remember, like two, three years ago or maybe more, the number one product was kale. Everybody is so crazy about kale. And I also started using kale. We put it kale benedict. We put it kale salad, something like that. And I keep talking to my vendors, what's popular on the market, what season, not season. That's cool. Is kale still popular? Do you still have those items on the menu? No. Now we put it a different option for Benedict. We put it asparagus. Now it's asparagus season. We put it asparagus Benedict. What's it been like not having to operate 24 hours? I know that one of the great things about Veselka when I lived in New York was I would go there sometimes at 3 or 4 in the morning after visiting friends or an evening out. And obviously that's not going on right now. How has that changed things and, and what's that been like? For us, it's better because uh, you can say it's better. It's different, just big difference. Before we have three shifts, now we have only two shifts. But I think uh, feel bad only customers. I mean, mostly because overnight shift now they sleep at home, but our overnight customers, I think they miss us very much. I definitely think you're right. I think it's one of the things about New York City that really needs to come back. I mean, it's been known as the city that never sleeps. And I think one of the great things about it is that you have places like Veselka and other ones where not only can you get something to eat, but you can get something really unique and special. So I think we're ready to come back for 24-7. Definitely. A hundred percent, definitely. Hey, let me ask you this, though. Now that you've had the opportunity to sort of not have it, do you see the data? Probably... I would imagine you get a big rush heading into that 11 o'clock or whatever the cutoff time is, right? Veselka for me was always a place, I mean, I would eat there many different times, but it was a great spot to go to for breakfast or brunch and a great spot late night. Do you find that there's a rush as you're heading into sort of the last hour of service? I would like to say no rush. I don't know why. I mean, on the weekend, yes. Friday, Saturday, is like busy till 11. But say before Wednesday, Thursday, was like rush. Right now, we, we can close at 9.30, 10, 10.30. It's no rush. People still scared or staying at home or, or yeah. I don't know. When you moved to New York, it was little Ukraine, as you said. Is there still a big Ukrainian influence on the Lower East Side in that area? When I moved here, I mean, it's the same like 10 years ago, but it's not the same like 50 years ago. A big Ukrainian community was here, I think, 30, 50, and 70 years ago. Then everybody moved, moved out, and they left only Ukrainian bank, Ukrainian museum, a few Ukrainian restaurants, like Ukrainian church, only all this village community. Now it's mostly it's American people. And we have a lot of students also, NYU students. Before COVID was 
maybe 30-40% of our customers. There's going to be a lot of things that are going to be spring-charged coming back as things move in that direction, which is great. Your utilization, I have to say, I really enjoy your social media page. What are some of the main things that you want to communicate? I can see from following you on Instagram, you really have a love of food and cuisine. What do you like best about, or what are the values that you try to get through through your social media so when someone looks at it, they really get that experience of what it is to be a New York chef at one of the most popular and famous restaurants in New York City? First of all, I have a small hobby. I like to do food photography. But when you need nice dish, I mean, I, I could do both. I can create nice, nice presentation dish, and I like food photography. It means I do in my Instagram by myself. And also, I use in my page, I would like to show people how to cook at home, how to cook at work, uh, sometimes advertising like private chef because on my free time, I like to do like private events. That's very cool. So Instagram's really the perfect medium for you because you get to show off your love of photography and your love of cuisine. Yeah, I mean, all my friends, they always invite me for barbecue parties. And sometimes uh, everybody pay me like, get relaxed, get some drink, like relax, don't cook anymore. But I continue cooking because I love it. Or sometimes I just don't trust somebody to to do these steaks. But this steaks is number one for me. It's my like one of the best. And if somebody burn or overcook the steak, my heart is is broken. <laughs> That's why even somebody invite me as a guest. I continue cooking. You know, I think Tom and Jason made such a great decision in having you come to Veselka and and seeing, they they obviously saw your passion. I think that, in my opinion, I'm curious to know what you think, but I think the single most important attribute of a great chef is someone who loves what they do. I've done interviews, I, I did an interview, I forget who it was with, it was a few episodes ago, But he was talking about chefs that have burnt out. You know, it can be a very physically demanding job. Things happen and it can make people cynical. But it's very clear talking to you that the love of cooking is so foremost in your mind. And would you say that's probably the most important thing that's led to your success? And and, and is that the most important ingredient for anyone that wants to go into the hospitality industry and pursue a career as an executive chef? What do you think is your greatest strength? Is it your love of cooking? Is it your organizational skills? Is it your work ethic? No, is it, no, what would no, you think? No. I mean, all the skills are acceptable, but I also got a lot of interviews from different directions. And everybody keep asking, what's the secret of success? What's the secret of delicious food? Before ingredients, I tell them, I always would like to say, it's your soul. It's your soul, it's your heart, it's your love, how you feel when you cook. For me, the best ingredient is uh, like piece of your soul. When you do something with soul, with your heart, believe me, it's going to be the best dish in your life. I agree with you. Yeah, because I'm enjoying my job, enjoying cooking 24-7. I can work double at Vasalka. I can come home and can cook for my wife. So I'm enjoying what I'm doing. That's so important. So let me ask you one final question, Dima. I've really been very much inspired by listening to you. If you were to give one or two very important pieces of advice to someone starting out that wants to be an executive chef as they're about to begin 
pursuing that career. What would you say to that person? Hard work, hard work, taking responsibility as much as you can. Let's say after a few years, or maybe even one year at Vaselka, when I was like super prep cook, or just prep, it's not even cook. Maybe for one year, I learned a huge Vaselka menu, how to do everything. Nobody requested, nobody asked me to do that. But after one year, I, I could cover anybody at, at Vaselka, huge team. And before COVID, it was like 100 people. And my advice, it's hard work, taking responsibility, your activity. For me, it's never enough. I need more and more and more cooking, more new stuff. And now I'm happy because I learned everything from Vaselka and now I have time for art. I told you in the beginning, I like to be a chef because now I can do art, like cooking art. It's very important and now I feel even more happy when I do, when you're doing art. That's right. And it's sort of like the process is exactly as you described it. First, you have to lay the foundation with the hard work, learn everything, understand it. And then once you have that under your belt, it gives you the ability to become an artist because you have a complete command over all of your tools and all of the options, right? Yeah. And also, I graduated from French Culinary Institute, I forgot to tell you. Do you find that you use a lot of what you learned at Veselka, or do you feel that it was just there to fuel the passion? When I went to school, I was thinking before it's going to be like 190% new stuff. But when I went to school, it I got already four and a half years of experience. And new stuff from school was maybe 50% only. But still, I, I learned another 50% at school. And it's a French culinary institute. Then when I was there, they changed name to International Culinary Center. It means they added few programs like Italian, Chinese. I don't remember everything, but they teach us not only French, they teach us like whole world, main cuisines from whole world. And it was a good experience at school. And also, I remember my my head chef, he told me, students, don't worry that now you're learning like 600 recipes. You're going to forget all these recipes two months after school. Number one, while you're here, you learn how to read recipe and what to do with recipe. I, I like that word. I think it's true. That's kind of similar to what they said to me in law school, which is it's not so important memorizing everything because you're going to look it up. It's that you learn to think a certain way. Yep. And let me ask you this. If you were a young chef all over again, what would you say would be the better thing to do? Would you recommend that someone work in a kitchen first and then go to culinary school or go to culinary school first before getting the job in a kitchen or an internship in a kitchen? I think better to go to work than go to school. You should feel it at work. You like it or not. Because I remember from my group from school, from culinary school, it was a few people from like different fields. One was musician, another one was from art gallery, another was lawyer. It was sixty-five years old lady from Brasilia. She was a lawyer, but it was her dream to to finish culinary school. But it was few young people who was eighteen, eighteen, twenty years old. And some of them was after army. They decided to go here to school 
but from 24 people who start, maybe just 12 graduated. A lot of students say, oh, it's too hard, it's not mine, I don't like it, I hate it, something like that. Yeah, I think you make a good point, too, because if somebody goes to culinary school after working in the kitchen, they already have an idea of what's required of them to a certain extent from the physical side of it. And they know whether they love it or not. And if they love it, they're going to bring a certain energy and a certain attention to the coursework that you're not going to bring if you're just sort of feeling it out. You know, there's a certain decisiveness or certainty that I think makes the experience much more valuable. And also in culinary, you have an opportunity to try first without education. Let's say at law school, you, without any education, you couldn't go to, to work. You should know something. You should learn something. But in the kitchen, it's a good opportunity to try first. And then if you like it, you can go to school and like got more skills, more science, and and then you can be a great chef. Yep. One of my kids is getting closer now to applying to colleges, and I almost think that it'd be better for everybody to get as much life experience as reasonable first because, you know, I look back on college and, and even law school. I went to law school later. It was about 27, I think, when I started. But the more maturity you have, the more life experience you have, the more you bring to the experience and, and get something out of it. That's probably not the case for everybody, but it's, it's something to think about, and uh, I think you make a great point. Well, this has been a really enjoyable interview, Dima, and I'm glad I had a chance to speak with you, and I'm very much inspired by your your passion. I can hear it in your voice, and I think that it's going to be incredibly inspirational for everyone else who's currently a chef or aspires to be. I think it's really important that people be be honest enough to share their passion and not, you know, it's so easy in this world to be cynical and, and view things in a very transactional way. But, but really what's at the bottom of it when things are really going great is that love and passion for what you do, you know? Thank you very much. All right, Dima. Well, this was a pleasure. If anyone wants to try out some of the most amazing cuisine, period, and certainly Ukrainian cuisine, you have to go to Veselka in New York City. It is a institution and is something that you really can't say that you visited New York and, and experienced New York without having tried it. And you can go to uh, at Veselka to see what they're up to on Instagram. And you can follow Dima at Chef Dima Marceniuk on Instagram and see some amazing food and amazing food photography. Dima, thank you again so much for taking the time to speak with me. I really enjoyed this. Thank you, Stephen, for inviting. Have a great day. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Profitable Table, fed by Woolco Foods. Please be sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And to learn more about Woolco Foods or Stephen Toberoff, please visit us at woolcofoods.net. Woolco Foods.